Let's enjoy today's message by Sam Adiemi. All right, we'll begin a new series of discussions today on the power of community. The power of community. Acts chapter 4 and verse 23, New International Version. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. (laughs) They went back to their own people. Thank you, Lord. Let me start from here. There is is a a story I had many years ago. I'm not a lawyer, and I don't have any record of it, (laughs) right? But it was said that the late chief F.R.A. Williams, a legal colossus, you know, in our country, that sometimes in the law court, when he was arguing cases for his client, that he would say to the judge, my Lord, when we were drafting the Constitution, this was what we had in mind, okay? (laughs) That was not what we had in mind. This was what he had in mind because it was one of those that drafted Nigeria's constitutions, a number of them, right? And that reminds me, you know, that tells me something about original intention. It matters a lot. Whatever it is you're building, you want to be sure that you're building in line with original intention. If something is going wrong, you want to go back to the blueprint. Interestingly, you would also hear Christ say, when people asked him questions, he would say, well, in the beginning it was not so. I know that you guys have been doing it this way up until now, but in the beginning it was not so. Why? Because he wrote the Constitution, right? (laughs) In the beginning it was not so. And then in some other place, he would say, you have heard that it has been said, but I say to you, ah, in such places, Christ was trying to bring us into alignment into God's original intention. This is my proposal today. If you want to have the best of your Christian experience, pay attention to the explosive beginning of the church in the New Testament. First, Pay attention to Christ, to his life. Pay attention to his teachings, his precepts, okay? Pay attention to his life, the life that he modeled. Study his life, study his death, study his resurrection. And then what happened after that? Pay attention to the first set of Christians. It will help you to understand and to move close to the original template for Christianity. That's where the power is. I want to draw your attention to a significant shift in ministry that happened after the church was launched, especially in Acts chapter 2. There had been a small prototype for it in the ministry of Christ. The fact that he chose disciples that were not from the tribe of Levi. He chose people that did not go to the pharisaical, to the, to the schools of the Pharisees, that were not trained as scribes, right? Chose people from, from <laughs> the marketplace, a tax collector, some fishermen, and so on, right? He was breaking the rules, breaking the old modes, modes already. And then now, 
the New Testament church, the, the church the new, under the new covenant starts and you see that model taken to a new level altogether. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Holy Spirit filled everyone, men, women, old, young, powerful, not powerful, high class, low class, peasant, the Holy Spirit filled everybody. The Bible says it there. Okay, if you read Acts chapter 2, the first four verses, that there came from heaven the sound of a rushing mighty wind. It filled, all the, it filled the place where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire, and it sat on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's hear Peter speak. Because what happened there got the attention of the whole city, and people came in from all parts of Jerusalem, wondering what was going on, and Peter stood up and spoke. Let's take part of what he said. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Acts 2, 14 to 18. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listing carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Woo! <laughs> How do I describe that? Power was decentralized. Under the old covenant, only few people were anointed, especially with oil. You had the king, you had the major prophet, and you had the high priest. And then the prophets, it wasn't everybody that could prophesy. It was a small company of people. You had a tribe from which the priests came, the tribe of Levi. To be a priest, you had to come from that tribe. To become the high priest, you had to come from the tribe and be a descendant of Aaron. Right now, <laughs> as the Holy Spirit came under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit came on everybody. That's why God said, sons and daughters prophesy, young men see visions, old <laughs> men dream dreams. It was transgenerational. And then he said, on my servants, I'm also pouring out my spirit, men and women alike. Power was decentralized. This is very, very, very important. This is very, very important. So everybody was anointed. That's what it means. Everybody had the power. <laughs> Woo, I like it. This is important. This is an important shift for anyone that wants to fulfill their potential as a Christian. Now, because they were all anointed, ministry happened everywhere. Up until that time to worship God, you had to go to one place. You had to go to the temple. But then now, there was a new template. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, New Living Translation. Acts 5, 42. 
And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. The temple had become too small to contain the potential for ministry, the explosion. Because everybody was anointed, right? <laughs> so ministry exploded out of the temple. Yes, it happened in the temple, but also they said it happened from house to house. Why? Because everybody, every believer was anointed. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Many Christians today have not made that shift in their thinking yet. There is just that belief. It is those of us that stand on the stage that are called into the ministry. It is those of us that stand on the stage that are the ministers of the gospel. Oh, no, 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 no. Sadly, many pastors also believe it. And it is causing many pastors to burn out because we are overdoing. I'm speaking to you from experience. I used to break down. And each time I broke down, it was one straight week. This is how it happened. I just begin to feel the symptoms for malaria. And before you knew it, it would knock me down. And I would be out of service for one week. <laughs> There's a particular one that <laughs> it scared me, right? It scared me. It was, unfortunately, 31st of December. And then we used to run a service all through the night, right? And I would be preaching and we would be praying for people and all of that. Anyway, I had just called out a set of people for prayer when I just felt every ounce of energy leave my body, every trace. So to, to be hard, to speak into the microphone and to be hard, I had to project with force. And this set of people were actually already coming out and I was to pray for them. So I signaled to my assistant pastor then, was not in this time, it was my former pastor. I signaled to my assistant pastor to please come. Then I whispered into his ears <laughs> that once I was done praying for those people, I was going to give him the microphone, which was what I did. I ran straight into my office, right, sat down. Then the pain hit me. I had never felt such pain before. Pain. I could not sit down comfortably. I stood, I was uncomfortable. I lay on the floor, on the carpet, I was uncomfortable. But at least the, the best position was to lay on the carpet. The pain was everywhere. My body was inside my bones. So I had to stay there till the service ended. So in the morning, it was Pastor Nike that drove us home. Gratefully, uh, one of our leaders, my friend, who is a doctor, <clears throat> was there. So I requested for him to check me later at home. When he came, I told him, you need to take my blood. He said, for what? I said, you need to test it. <laughs> he said, there's nothing to test. It is stress. I said, no, <laughs> you must test my blood. I said, I've never felt pain like this before. My bone marrow was paining me. Anyway, he tested there was nothing. It was stress, right? So I'm saying, a lot of pastors are still in that space, right? Because we're the ministers. 
We're the ones that have to pray for people. We're the ones, you know, that are anointed. We are the ones that God called. Let's look at the New Testament template. What is the work of church leadership really? You would ask me. Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. I'm going to read it in three translations of the Bible, quickly. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. I'm starting from the King James Version of the Bible. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. What would be their job? For the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So when you read that passage, you believe that those of us that God called to lead in the church at the highest level have three assignments, to perfect or mature the saints, to do ministry work, and then to build up the body of Christ. Right? When you look at that verse. Okay? Let's move to the New King James Version of the Bible. Same passage, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, New King James Version of the Bible. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. To do what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's a significant change here. The first comma is gone. The assignment is reduced to two. The first one, pay attention to it again. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, the person to do ministry has changed. See, the New King James Version and subsequent translations after that were translated from manuscripts that were older, that are older than the ones translated into the King James Version of the Bible. This is very important. Our job is to equip the saints. <laughs> if we say saints, you want to qualify it from the, the people that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, okay? <laughs> Who says are forgiven? Our job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So I end with the New Living Translation, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, let me confess, right, that it actually suits our ego as pastors to have all of you depend on us. I'll be honest about that. There's something that does to your ego, for example, for you to walk into your office reception as a pastor and to, and to see 30 people waiting for you and to see 50 people waiting for you. There's something that does to your ego for you to hear church members say, you know, I don't want to see any other pastor. I don't want to see any other. It's only Pastor Sam I want to see. It's only Pastor Sam I want to see. Okay? There's something it does to our ego. It makes us feel needed, makes us feel valuable. It's fantastic, but it is rubbish relative to the template in the New Testament. That's what I'm trying to say, okay? It does not do God's service. And I, I'm saying this fully conscious of African culture and many other cultures too, that people revere their spiritual leaders, almost practically worship their spiritual leaders. I am not suggesting that you should disrespect or not honor pastors or our spiritual leaders or leaders anywhere. 
the Bible actually says we should do. What I'm asking us not to do is to take it overboard to the point where we are disempowered and we are practically disconfiguring the church the way it's supposed to be structured. Okay? Our job is to train you to solve people's problems with the wisdom and the power of God. Okay, sorry. Our job is to train you to do ministry work because you are anointed. And the same Holy Spirit that is inside the pastor is the one that is inside you. So congratulations. You're a woman of God. <laughs> you're a man of God. <laughs> right? Because it's almost exclusively given to those of us that preach on the pulpit now. Mm. So what I see on the day of Pentecost is the power of the Holy Spirit is given to everybody. And then the temple is too small to contain their ministry, so it spills over into people's homes. And they are preaching and teaching, even in homes. And miracles are happening in people, even in people's homes. Did you notice in the ministry of Christ, some of the miracles happened in the synagogue, but then most of his miracles actually happened outside of the synagogue. Come on. Let's take the power of God where it's really needed. <laughs> so enough of shivering and shaking around us pastors, you know, man of God, woman of God. Well, I say to you too, woman of God, man of God, please help me to do it. Help me to turn to someone sitting next to you. Say to the person, woman of God, <laughs> or man of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, you're the woman of God. You are the man of God. You are anointed. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have the Spirit of God, come on. Wake up. Let's get this job done the way God provided for us to do it. So let's do it again. Tell someone, woman of God, wake up. <laughs> man of God, wake up. Hallelujah. Right? I noticed something about the first generation leaders. Peter, for example. I mean, let, let me give you a background to this story. So a man named Cornelius, he's not a Jew, right? He's a Gentile. An angel appears to him because he, he's aligning with the kingdom of God. An angel appears to him and says, God has accepted your offerings, your sacrifices, your prayers, and God wants to do something for you, okay? but you need to get someone in here to do it. Gives him Peter's name, gives him the address of where he's staying with someone and says you should get him in to his house. Cornelius sends his servants to go pick Peter in another city and to bring him. And everything happens exactly the way the angel said. So when Peter stepped into his house, right, it's understandable, right? This cannot be an ordinary human being. Let's see what transpired. Acts 10, 25 and 26, New Living Translation. Acts 10, 25, 26. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. Notice the words used there. Verse 26. But Peter did what? Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So that, this is what I'm saying. This is very tempting, right? So, <laughs> you're Peter. It was an angel that spoke about you to someone. Give the angel your name. Give the angel the address of your friend that you were staying with. And it was called angel. The angel did not have the power to lead the man and his household to Christ. 
they had to send for you. And you showed up. So when somebody falls down like that, you know, is that not good for your ego? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. The first generation of Christians could not take that. Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being like you, okay? The difference is I have the Holy Ghost and you also can have the Holy Ghost, okay? So I'm just simply saying, stop shaking. Stop, stop doing whatever it is that will disempower you. I'm not asking you to dishonor. Pay attention to that. I'm saying that again. I'm not asking you to disrespect. But I'm simply saying let's not go overboard with it to the point where church members feel inferior to us when you're supposed to take the power of God. <laughs> you know, when we come together, it's supposed to be for reloading, right? And refueling, right? And refiring, right? And then we go out there and get the job done because every single one of us is anointed. Amen. All right. I'm challenging you today to accept the responsibility to meet people's needs with the wisdom and the power of God. And to do that, we've got to get ready to lead small communities. Okay? We are a community, but we've got to have sub-communities. And when you look at their template there, you have those meetings in homes. We thank God for technology now. We can have the meetings on Zoom, right? We can have the meetings in our offices. We can have the meetings around our geographical locations. We can have the meetings around interests. It can be business people missing meeting. But I'm asking you to accept the responsibility to lead a small community of people because you are anointed. If you've been through our third level training, ministry school training in this Christian Center, I'm a I'm challenging you right now. Between now and the end, end of this year, you've got to be involved in leading a small group somewhere. Amen. When you've been a Christian for a long time, I promise you, somewhere along the line, if you've been listening to the same pastor for 10 years or 20 years, you'll become bored. And your spiritual growth is not going to lie anymore in you coming to the service every Sunday and hearing a sermon. Your spiritual growth is going to be rooted in you accepting responsibility to lead a community of people. The more you teach people, the more you have to learn. And the more you teach people, the more you've got to model what you're teaching. So it challenges you to continue to grow in your learning, in your knowledge, and challenges you to grow continuously in your character. Amen. Good. So... What were they doing in their small communities? Acts chapter 2, verse 42, New Living Translation. Acts 2, 42, New Living Translation. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Fantastic. So you notice what they were doing? They went into deeper application of what was being taught. Here in this Christian Center, when we preach on a Sunday like this, the next weekend, wherever our small groups are meeting, what we preached, you know, is what is discussed. We have a powerful group. God blessed, blessed these powerful people, a Bible study group. They take what's been preached, they put it in an outline and put it in discussion form. That is what we discuss in all of our small groups. You can ask me any question right now, can you? Oh no, my time is so short, right? If I'm in the service physically, if you raise your hand, I'll look in the other direction because I need to quickly finish because I'm almost overrunning my time now, right? 
<laughs> okay, so, but right there in those small communities, people can ask questions, have those questions resolved from scriptures, and then be able to apply the things that we teach. They said they continued in fellowship. They continued, you know, in supporting one another, in sharing love, and they continued in sharing meals. So in this Star Christian Center, we say no one goes to bed hungry in our church, right? Fantastic. Fantastic. There's so much going on in our world right now, so much disruption going on right now, so much inflation, right? Global economies being rocked, local economies being rocked, national economies. Right now, what do you want to do? Things are getting asher for a lot of people. We need communities. People need communities to join. That was what happened here. Things were harsh outside. Uh, there was a famine somewhere along the line. But because they had communities that they belonged to, the communities took care of people. That exactly is what we need right now. I remember early last year when the war between Russia and Ukraine started, some of our church members were caught up in the situation in Ukraine. And you know what happened? Because we also have the small groups online. Immediately, the small groups system was activated. Some people in Nigeria linking up with some people in Ukraine and Poland and surrounding countries. And, you know, they were able to track every single person until they were able to cross the border and to leave Ukraine. The ones that needed financial support, it's amazing. God bless you, they star members. They raised financial support for them. That's what the community is for. So today, we end here. If you have been a part, okay, of our training system and you've gone past the ministry school, I'm challenging you right now. If you went on sabbatical, you've been a part of our small group system, you went on sabbatical, I'm asking you come back <laughs> to work, okay? You come back into active duty. But if you haven't yet, I'm asking you to make it a target, make it a goal that you will lead a small community as soon as possible. If you've not gone through that level of training yet, I ask you to please get into the training and keep moving up until you can lead a small community. Maybe three people, maybe four, there may be five, there may be ten. But the amount of support that is provided there is phenomenal. You should not be part of a large church like this and then you will have a challenge and nobody would know what went wrong with you. Come on. What's community for? What's a family for? Okay. So, <clears throat> this is my challenge. Every single person in this stack is that you can't be a bench warmer. Come on. There's so much going on in our world right now. We need light in this world right now. We need help. We need support right now. If you're a Christian, you cannot afford to put your hope in man-made systems because they cannot be perfect. And because most of the time they're not driven by love, right? But God's system, God's family is driven by love and you can get tremendous support. Amen. Hallelujah. Help me to look at your neighbor again and say, woman of God, a man of God, wake up, let's do this thing. All right, bow your head with me and let's pray. I wanted to say a prayer of commitment. Lord, I don't want your investment of wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit in my life to go to waste. 
Give me wisdom and give me the courage to provide leadership right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Let me pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful to you. We thank you. We've had your word. We know the power of the Holy Spirit is waiting to activate the word. So for everyone that is accepting the responsibility to be a leader, to take your power to meet people's needs, I ask that the heavens be open. Pour afresh the power of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, let the gifts that you give us, the gifts of service, be activated. Supernatural knowledge, supernatural wisdom, the gifts of healings, the gifts of miracles. As we pray for people, as we seek to meet people's needs, let your power flow. And let there be an explosion of testimonies this month and beyond. In the mighty name of Jesus, I prophesy over everyone, everyone that is a part of service in our church, of ministry, of meeting people's needs, the power of God will preserve you. You will not die before your time. As you use your energy to serve God, your health is supernaturally sustained. If there is any sickness or disease bothering anyone right now, we destroy it in the name of Jesus. And we prophesy a miracle of healing in the name of Jesus. As you invest your energy serving God, we declare you will not lack. Anyone that has a financial need, we prophesy this week miraculous flow of resources in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray for that person who is a part of this service who says, Pastor, pray with me. My relationship with God is not okay. I want God to forgive me my sins. That's the starting point. That's the starting point. Then God's going to use you beyond your wildest imagination. But the starting point, the relationship with God. If you're that honest person, can you put your hand on your heart? Maybe a part of the service physically or, or online. Can you put your hand on your heart or even on TV? God bless you for your honesty. Can you say this prayer after me? Dear God, I believe that Jesus has paid for my sins already. I ask you to forgive me and to accept me as your child. And then I ask you to use me to be a blessing to other people in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone that said this prayer. And thank you because your power rests on them now. And we're grateful for the miracle of change in their lives. The nature of sin is removed from them. Your nature is in them now. Thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' name. Amen.